You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the DIY Sportsman Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Prawl and Boudreaux Boswell. All right, tonight it will just be me recording this podcast. I had planned on recording tomorrow, like Bobby and I usually do. We usually record on like a Tuesday night, and I totally spaced out and forgot that I had to basically do some, you know, kind of industry review panel thing for a semester-ending class at the U of M. So tomorrow my entire night is going to be booked, and Bobby wasn't able to record tonight, so it is just going to be me. So basically, just to give you guys kind of an update, because I haven't posted a video on YouTube in really quite a while, since coming back from Missouri, I have just been absolutely swamped at work. And uh, I mean, that, that includes weekends. I really just haven't been able to get out into the woods at all. So what I have been doing, when I do have some spare time, since when I do have the time, it's usually not when it's actually light outside, so I'm doing things indoors. I've been working on a few videos Basically, there's a lot of things that I want to do reviews on this year. Um, I just posted a picture at Instagram about the EasyV site. I got a video in the works for that site. Basically, I want to go over some of the different arrow setups that I use this year, some of the different packs that I use this year for saddle hunting, what my thoughts are on how to choose what pack for saddle hunting, depending on what your goals are, what uh, area of the country you live in, and just kind of thoughts overall on packing deer out. And then there's just a, a whole bunch of things that I'm going to probably add on to that. But I want to kind of get those out as soon as possible. But at the same time, it's kind of a slow process just because I have been so busy lately. But the good news is it's kind of on the downtrend. Um, I think as the holidays approach, I'm going to start getting more time. And I've also been in, you know, some of my spare minutes looking at and playing around with different self-filling setups. One of the things that, you know, for the several past several years I've been trying to figure out is some way that I can kind of ditch the camera arm, but yet at the same time, not sacrifice too much quality. And in the past, every time that I have gone without a camera arm, I just haven't been really satisfied. Uh, so I've always kind of dealt with carrying that extra weight into the woods, that extra bulk, that extra setup time, and a little bit less mobility once I'm up in the tree because that camera arm does tend to get in the way sometimes. But one of the things I've been trying is looking into various gimbal setups for a bow mounted camera. You know, it seems like whenever you have a bow mounted camera, whether it's a tacticam, whether it's 
a Sony, GoPro, some other type of camera, there's always that shock right at the initial shot. And even if your bow is balanced well enough, or if you're gripping it tight enough that it doesn't tilt out of the frame of view, there's usually enough vibration at the shot that it kind of ruins the footage and makes it really tough to see where that arrow hits. But I've been doing a lot of research on the gimbals. They make some that obviously are handheld. They make some that uh, you can actually mount onto things. So like they make chest mount gimbals that are nice and small. You'd be able to easily fit them on the front of your bow. So I've been playing around with that type of an option. And hopefully I'll be able to figure something out. If not, I'll just go back to the camera arm. Cause like I said, quality on those self-filmed hunts is still important to me. So I, I don't want to make a big sacrifice, but if I'm able to figure something out, I would definitely ditch the camera arm and heartbeat. Uh, apart from that, looking at the rest of this year, it's not looking super likely that I'm going to be able to do much more deer hunting this year. Now, Minnesota season's open through end of December. Wisconsin's goes in another week into January. Last weekend, I was able to get one day out into the woods. And, you know, a couple podcasts ago, Bobby and I were talking about this area that I've been looking at and just kind of drooling over, looking at the maps, thinking it looks like it could be really good late season spot that I've never really been into before other than just to kind of scout it either from the edges driving past it um, or just looking at the aerial photos but I put on several miles walking that thing and on all of the major parking lots that I saw there were still you know quite a few vehicle tracks which this is one of those spots that's far enough to drive from me that the only real way that it makes it worth the drive is to try and get to some place that has less pressure because there's a lot of places that are you know half the drive distance away so that was kind of a, a little bit of a negative right there. But then I would, all the walking I did, I basically went right to the stuff that looked the best, the stuff that was adjacent to private fields that were, you know, kind of the toughest places to get to and surrounded by marsh, surrounded by tamarack swamp. And there just was not much sign at all. And even when I would find some sign from the past rut, there wasn't really much big sign. I'd see a lot of little rubs and things like that. And the snow was there for probably a week. So if there were deer still using that spot right now, I definitely would have seen a lot of tracks. So they've, there's clearly deer using that sometime throughout the year. They're not there now, so I'm not going to waste much more time there. There are other spots where I know that there's deer, but I don't really have a pin or a bead on any really large bucks. And right now I have basically three deer in the freezer. So that amount of venison will get me and the fiance through probably midsummer at least. So we'll see. I mean, there's definitely still a lot of time left. I might be able to get out there, but I also want to start focusing on getting some of those review videos out to you guys. One of the things that I wanted to talk about, I guess, specifically in this podcast is to kind of review the climbing methods that I use this year and some of my continued thoughts. For those of you that have, you know, kind of followed the podcast, or are familiar with my videos, you'll know that I use climbing sticks quite a bit, use the wild edge steps quite a bit, and I've tried various other systems, you know, especially like at Saddlepalooza. And Bobby and I have talked about climbing methods before, but there's been, I mean, there's always a constant evolution of guys trying new things, whether it's on the Saddle Hunter forum or whether it's on, you know, Facebook, basically Facebook hunting pages, guys sharing new ideas or thoughts or strategies for being able to get up in the tree using lightweight systems, faster systems, better packable systems. So I just want to wanted to kind of give my thoughts on that because this year I did try a couple of new methods, 
to try and get even more lightweight uh, and more packable than I have in the past. So I guess to start off with, I want to go back to September, right when the season was first starting. And at that point in the year, I was basically using sticks for the most part. Sticks, but sometimes wild edge steps. So a little bit of both, but mostly sticks. So like if you guys watched the public land challenge, I was using sticks throughout that entire challenge. And that was basically a lot of hill country, not much marsh. And so I had to walk through a lot of cornfields, had to walk through a lot of wooded areas, and then also just out in kind of long, wide open paths. So from the perspective of climbing sticks, usually being the option that will get you caught on the most, you know, branches or debris, or, you know, it's kind of hard in general to walk through thick areas. It's kind of hit or miss. And the thing I love about sticks is I love how easy it is to climb with sticks. When I get to the tree, I like sticks the best, but it's generally the least favorite option when I'm actually getting from the truck to the tree. But in that type of a scenario, when I'm kind of hill country, it wasn't too bad. And if you watch those videos, you could see that basically the way that I carried those sticks was I would basically carry four and I would have them on the outside of my pack. And that pack, which was a Cabela's elite scout pack, it's an 1800 cubic inch pack. That pack doesn't have any straps to be able to lash those sticks onto it. So what I basically had to do was take a big night eyes gear tie, one of the longer ones, like 18 or 24 inches, and just kind of route that underneath the shoulder straps and then back around the climbing sticks and then just kind of tighten them and twist them together to hold those sticks in place. So the sticks were being held flat against my back, but there was enough separation between basically the back of my head and the sticks that I never really had any interference. I wasn't bumping the back of my head with the, the side of my steps or anything like that. Was it the best option for hill country? I'd say probably. I mean, wild edge steps definitely would have worked. Other options like the single steps, like the, um, the Bullman outdoor silent approach, those would have worked too. Basically in that type of terrain, just about anything would have worked. I mean, if you think about it this way, if you can get climbing sticks into an area without too much of a hassle, you can pretty much get most anything else. So we talked about the, the hill country. I also posted a video where I was kayaking into some spots. Now, when I kayaked, now all of a sudden I got limited space to work with, work with because the, the kayak that I have, it's not a sit on top kayak. It's a sit in kayak, which means that I really don't have much of any space inside the kayak with me. And then behind me, I just have a little bit of deck space and a little bit of kind of like dry storage space. And then on front of me, I just have a little bit of deck space as well. So from that type of a setup, the wild edge steps actually worked better than, than sticks, I think, because sticks would have taken up a little bit too much space on the deck space that I didn't really have a whole bunch of. So with the wild edge steps, I was able to pack, I think it was five, is it usually five or six that I would carry on any given hunt. And I was able to stick those inside of my pack along with my camera gear. So then that just made everything a little bit lower profile. I was able to sit it on the deck and then I didn't have such a large, uh, considerable bulk up in front of me that all of a sudden I wasn't able to kind of see where I was going. Although I will say that when I would paddle back the lamp kind of in the way in front of me, having a pack, even just, you know, a foot tall up above me on that deck, even though it wasn't in my direct line of sight, the light from my headlamp would glare off of the pack to the extent that it made it really tough to see kind of beyond, you know, it's kind of like, uh, 
if you're driving down the highway and somebody turns the light on inside the vehicle, it makes it a little bit harder to more distracting to be able to see out onto the road in front of you, which is a little bit darker. So I did think that that was kind of an interesting note. Uh, if I would have, the next time I go out on a kayak trip, I would try to put the, the bigger, bulkier things behind you and then have the lower profile things like maybe your bow sitting in front of you on the deck. Of course, if you have a sit on top kayak, it's not as much of an issue, but with that sit in kayak that I have where the deck is relatively a lot higher than where your waist is, it makes a bigger deal. So wild Dutch steps are definitely the way to go with the kayak for me. And when I would just carry five or six of those steps into the woods, I'm basically always bringing an aider and the type of aider that I bring, it varies. And I got some thoughts on kind of the, the usability and also the safety of various setups. So the one that I prefer most for ease of use is an aider that's very similar to the one the wild edge sells on their website. So the aider, the wild edge sells on their website, I believe it's made out of pretty much the same rope as the actual steps themselves. I haven't actually held one in hand. I've, the only one that I have is one that's made out of one inch tubular webbing. That's basically constructed to be exactly the same in use. So different material, but same style. So mine is basically just one big loop of that one inch tubular webbing. I have a small piece of the uh, garden hose to be able to provide kind of that step opening that spreader bar at the bottom except that it's not just a normal garden hose. The stuff that I use is basically like, uh, it's like that weeping garden hose. It's kind of gray. It's really rough on the outside. And when you run water through it, it just kind of seeps water out. And it's kind of just a, a way that you can water your plants kind of across a large area. And I find that I really like that on the outside of the one inch tubular webbing to be able to provide a step because it's nice and grippy. It's really lightweight and it's easy to put on compared to say doing like a cobra weave on the outside or compared to sticking a piece of seven sixteenth inch rope through the inside of that webbing. So I really like that, uh, that weeping hose. So anyways, I take that and basically just have a hook or a carabiner. Either one works on the top of it and you can use that to hook onto the wild edge staff. But basically since you have that one big aider, what you're able to do when you climb, is you're able to put your first wild edge step about at waist height. And then you put the next wild edge step as high as you can reach. And then you put the aider on the wild edge step that's above you. And that aider length is set such that that aider step is about halfway between the ground and that first step that's about waist level. So you're able to step up into that aider, then your next step is onto that waist level step. And then the lineman's belt is hooked on the tree. You pull yourself nice and close, and then you set your third step as high as you can reach. And then you kind of repeat the process by pulling that aider, hooking it up into the, the stick that's just about as high as you can reach, and just repeating that the whole way up. So when you do a system like that, you're actually able to sort of space your steps roughly, if you can imagine, like as high as you can reach, whether that's seven and a half foot, whether that's eight foot, whether that's seven foot, that's the amount of height that you can get for every two steps. So that's a good way to kind of visualize what kind of height you can get for how many steps. The thing that I like about that particular aider method with the wild edge steps is that I feel a lot more secure typically when I do that method, because I always have either a solid foothold or I have a solid handhold. 
I'm either standing on a step and have the lineman's belt holding me close to the tree, or I have my foot in the aider loop, but I'm holding on to that nice solid wild edge step as I'm pulling myself up. So from just kind of a safety perspective, you know, when you're using a lineman's belt, you're sort of helping yourself regardless of what method you're using, using that belt helps out a lot, but having a nice rigid, either hand or foothold and three points of contact at all times, for me, it feels like it makes a big difference. The other times that I used wild edge steps and I tried some of these various other methods that have been, you know, on the, the Facebook pages or on saddle hunter, especially with the CMI multi-step aider. And I try that a little bit later on into the year. Uh, even in Missouri, when I drove down to Bobby's, the only thing that I carried for a climbing method, I believe was four wild edge steps and a five-step CMI aider. And that CMI aider, basically all I did is I just girth hitched a coated hook onto the very top end of it so that I was able to uh, loop it on top of the, the wild edge step. And then the other thing I did to it was just tied a piece of, it wasn't paracord. It was for me, it was basically just like a little piece of almost like tent stake line. That's uh, it was bright orange, had some reflection on it. So if you hit it up with a headlamp, you'll be able to see it a little bit better, but I did that. I tied it to the top of that movable aider and I tied the other piece to a little small carabiner that I could clip into my harness. And this particular five-step aider method was something that I saw on the Saddle Hunter Facebook page. And I believe it was Matthew Katoya that initially posted that method. And what this method allows you to do is get a lot better height between each wild edge step. So whereas before you basically had your, your first two steps spanning a distance that were as high as you could reach with this method, you're able to put your very first step about as high as you can reach. And then your second step would be double that. So as you get to the base of the tree, you hang that first step as high as you can reach. Then you take your five step aider, you hook it onto that step. Then you attach the lineman's belt and you walk your way up the aider until you're standing on top of it. And normally you'd have to reach down to kind of your foot level to be able to grab that aider to pull it back up again. But since you have that aider tied onto the string that's tied onto your harness, you're able to kind of pull it up. So once you're staying on top of that first wild edge step, you would go ahead and grab your second step out of the bag, hook it as high as you can reach, pull that aider up using the string and then hook it up above you on that second step. So now let's say I'm seven foot off the ground on the first step. Second step is 14 feet off the ground. Third step, 21 feet off the ground. So you can see how from just like a, an overall height versus weight versus time. I mean, from that perspective, if you just kind of ignore the fact that it's a little bit harder to do and takes a little bit more balance, that's a really good way to get a lot of height. Um, what you're looking at like three pounds total for that system, give or take a few more ounces. Once you factor in the, the weight of the aider, so maybe a hair over three pounds. And then you got the, uh, the time that it takes to hook on three steps. Whereas with that method I was talking about before, I'd be looking at what two, two steps to roughly seven feet. So I'd be looking at six wild edge steps to get me to 21 feet. Whereas this other method you're looking at, uh, three. So you're, you're basically cutting your number of wild edge steps in half it's a lot faster to get up into the tree and the packability is a lot better. So on just kind of the face value, 
it seems like a really, really great option. The one thing that I kind of didn't like about it was that there's times when you, well, you have to basically go through regions where you're stepping on steps of that aider and you don't have a rigid handhold. You're just kind of either holding the tree or your lineman's belt and you're able to lean back into your lineman's belt and get a nice sturdy base. You have your toe locked against the tree, so that helps prevent your foot from kicking out off the side. But I also always kind of felt like if I wasn't on a perfectly straight tree, it was a little bit more awkward. I felt like I was using a lot more of my core, a lot more of my stabilizer muscles to try and keep me balanced. And I would get a little bit more nervous as I was climbing, even though I was, you know, hooked on with my lineman's belt. I felt like the risk of me potentially having a kick out felt like it was more likely. So that was one of the things that I didn't personally super or like a whole ton about that uh, particular method. Now, if I had a reason to want to get a lot of height with a really small amount of steps, then yeah, that's a, a good way to go. But for me, I think that trade-off distance is, is really quite a ways uh, where I'd really have to be going in an awfully long ways to make three steps worth the carry over just carrying in sticks and having the extra three pounds. So that's just kind of my personal thoughts after, you know, kind of trying each option. It seems like in the summer I can pretty much do whatever I want and it feels comfortable, feels easy. I can get up the tree nice and easy and fast. But once it gets colder and I start to add that, those layers of bulky clothing, it makes the the methods that require a little bit more dexterity to be that much more difficult. So at the end of the season, after we got back from Missouri, I kind of made the decision at that point that if I was going to do any more hunting out of a tree, you know, between now and the end of the year, it was probably going to be with sticks. And part of the reason for that was along the same lines of what I was just talking about. The sticks for me are very solid. They're very easy to use. They are my favorite method to use actually getting up the tree. They're not my favorite method to get from the truck to the tree, but they're the best to climb with, in my opinion. As it gets super cold, I want to make it as easy for me to get up the tree as possible. So that's where kind of sticks start to take the edge again. And for the sticks in terms of aiders, I'm still using aiders with sticks, but I've kind of gone through a couple different variations and I, I think I found something that I, I like the most. Back in the day when I did my climbing stick videos and kind of when I've done videos in the past, what I've done is I've taken aiders either double step or single step built out of one inch tubular webbing and I've attached them to each stick. And I can't remember exactly when it was, but at some point Dave T made a post about using a single loop movable aider. So he took a piece of one inch tubular webbing and just tied it in a giant loop. And then he used that to move from one stick to the next. So you hang the first stick on the tree, pretty much as high as you can reach, and then take that big aider loop and throw it over the top step of that stick. And then you can step into the aider loop up onto the stick. And then as you have your feet in the, the bottom steps of the stick, you can take that aider loop off and just either hang on to it or hold it in your teeth or, or throw it over your, your shoulders um, or clip it into a carabiner. And then you hang your second stick and then again, throw that aider on top of that second stick and just kind of repeat the process all the way up the tree. So you're able to get a very similar height to if you had, as if you had a, a single aider loop on each stick, but you only have the weight and bulk of one of those aiders 
and you don't have the additional material flapping around if it happens to be a really windy day. And once you get to the top, you can take that aid or loop, you can throw it in your pack and take it back out again once you're ready to start climbing down. The only risk with that is that you obviously don't want to drop that loop because it's going to be hard to get back down. Not impossible because usually your step spacing is still such that if you're able to do it kind of a, a controlled descending pull up, you can kind of lower yourself onto that lower stick, but it is a lot easier obviously to use that aider loop. Well, after I tried that for a little bit, I was like, you know what? This single aider loop works pretty well. Why don't I try making a double aider loop? So I made a, basically a double step aider, but the top of it, instead of tying it onto the stick, I just had another big loop so I could use it as a movable aider. It just had two steps. And I used that for a few hunts in around mid October. And, uh, you know, kind of after the public land challenge back when I was at home in Wisconsin doing some, uh, public land sits there. And I, I like that system too. But then again, as it started to get colder, um, you get those real awkward trees. It seems like straight tree, you can pretty much get away with a lot, but once that tree gets real gnarly, it starts to take some weird leans and you get into some awkward positions. It's just nice to have a more stable, uh, system in terms of less aider, more actual, uh, rigid things to stand on or to hold on to. So sticks without aiders would be kind of the, my favorite way to climb the really awkward trees. And it becomes kind of a balancing act. Whereas you might have times where you don't want to carry four sticks into the woods when you could only carry three, but you might get into that real awkward tree where it's just really strange and, and challenging to be able to use aiders, especially a double loop aider that you end up not even using it at all. And you end up just not hunting as high as you would have liked to. There are plenty of guys who are still not using aiders at all. And they're basically carrying either four or five or even six climbing sticks. And if you don't mind carrying that extra bulk and that extra weight and taking the extra time to hang all those sticks, I can definitely see where, why some guys would prefer to do that. I still like to find that middle ground where I'm only carrying most of the time, just three climbing sticks and using the aider to kind of, you know, take all the gaps out. But there'll be times too, when like, if I have a goofy tree, I'm only using three of those sticks and I might not use the aider loop at all, or I might have a tree that's really easy to climb and I end up using the aider and only use two sticks and just leave the third one on the ground. So it gives me a little bit of option in terms of how exactly I want to climb a particular tree. So I think that for me, kind of my favorite overall system is just, again, three double step climbing sticks with a single loop movable aider. I think that's my best, you know, kind of favorite all around system. And then for my favorite really mobile system, meaning I can just pretty much take it anywhere. I don't have to worry about getting caught on underlying brush or, or cattails or, or anything like that. Or I can take it kayaking. It's kind of my low bulk system. I like six wild edge steps with that single step aider in a similar design to what wild edge has. There's also an aider system that a couple of guys developed on the saddle hunter forum called the, the Nader and the Swader. And I might be getting this wrong, but I believe one was developed first. I believe the Nader was developed first. And then there was kind of a, an update made by somebody else. And then they kind of mesh these two methods together. But basically you have an aider that attaches to your foot and then it, uh, attaches to your leg as well. So it's attached to your body as opposed to just being free floating. 
and on the top of that aider that's attached to your leg, there's a hook. And that hook ends up being roughly about a knee level, and you can hook it onto the top of your wild edge step. So if you can imagine you have the wild edge step on a tree, and you can reach your leg up, and you can hook that little uh, bitty hook that's next to your knee on the step, and then you can just stand up. And from that point, you can put your other foot on top of the step, and then you can just keep on going. So the overall system, you're able to get, again, a very similar height to what guys are doing with the five-step or the four-step CMI aiders. You're able to get a lot of height. Again, for me, and I guess I I shouldn't speak uh, totally freely about this method because this is one of the few methods that I didn't try this year, Uh, but I did watch, you know, kind of a lot of videos on it, and I, I think... I might almost like that method better than using the multi-step aider. Uh, the only thing I wasn't a huge fan of was the fact that you have the thing basically attached at close to your knee. And once you get up into the tree, if you're like me, you like to wear um, knee pads. So you'd have to kind of move or take off that uh, particular piece of, of gear to be able to hunt out of, which isn't a huge deal. I, I mean, obviously a lot of people do it. So it's definitely worth looking into. The only thing that I think would also kind of sway some people away is just the fact that there's no commercially available option for like a nader or suader type setup. So that means if you're going to try it, you pretty much have to make it yourself. And so there's definitely a little bit of risk there that you're undertaking to, you know, basically be sure that you're making something that you are comfortable with kind of supporting your, your life with. So I think for me, I don't know if I have, I don't have a huge desire, I guess, to be able to, you know, go to that extreme. I think, like I said, I've been happy with the three sticks. I think that's a good balance, three sticks and a single step movable aider or the six wild edge steps uh, with the single aider. That's kind of my snapshot of what I feel like right now, you know, end of December after we just got done with this, most of this hunting season that's kind of where I personally am landing. And obviously there's going to be uh, other guys with various thoughts on what they personally like the best. And that's, that's totally fine too. I, I, like I said, I find myself oftentimes switching even from beginning of the season to the end of the season, just based on either wanting to try something new or having a little bit better dexterity, be it a little bit better shape coming in at the beginning of the season. And then as the season kind of winds, winds down, usually a little bit colder, the balance, the core strength, all that stuff becomes a little bit more challenging. And I like to usually just go with the easier option. Even to the point where, like we talked about last episode, I wouldn't mind late season just hunting from the ground. If I'm able to get into a spot that has, you know, a lot of marsh grass or or hummocks or dogwood or something where I'm actually able to have somewhat of a realistic chance of being able to get a shot off on the ground. I'm totally not opposed to that at all. And the other thing that I want to say about the packs, because I think packs play a role in this too. A lot of guys, especially when they're kind of converting into saddle hunting, coming from like a tree stand hunting background, one of the things that, that seems to happen is they want to go from the stand setup, which is super heavy because maybe they have a, a lone wolf alpha or an XOP or, or something like this. They have four sticks And then they have extra clothing. Maybe they have camera gear too, and it's just a ton of weight. And they're carrying it with just your basic shoulder straps. So that gets really tiring after a while, uh, especially on a long walk in. 
they want to go to a saddle and immediately want to make everything as light as possible. Um, get kind of a, as minimalist of a pack as they can. And honestly, I think that from the, the standpoint of a pack, and I'll be making a video about this shortly, I'd rather have a little bit heavier pack with a little bit stiffer frame to be able to carry stuff because it just makes whatever weight you are carrying so much more comfortable and lightweight and easy to carry. So for example, if I was wearing a nice solid frame pack that's made for like Western day pack hunting, like the Mr. Ranch Pintler that I just bought, for me carrying four or five sticks in that thing is nothing, right? It, it carries the weight so well, it balances it between my, my shoulders and my hips. It's got load lifters as well. It's like, you can't even feel it. Your back gets a little bit sweaty just because it's not able to breathe. But from the standpoint of walking two miles of that setup, it's nothing. Uh, so for me trying to make the extra leap from going from like four sticks or three sticks down to like one stick and doing a single stick stick method or going from six wild edge steps to like two or three wild edge steps is just not really a huge benefit from the weight standpoint because of how easily the pack is able to carry the weight. And that type of a pack too is going to be, it's going to allow you to, if you want to pack a deer out on your back as opposed to dragging it. And I also had a, a mystery, mystery, excuse me, mystery ranch pop-up pack that I bought this year to try out. And that one is a little bit smaller because it can pack down into a, a very small compact day pack form. And then if you want to use it for load hauling, you can kind of expand it and raise up some load lifters that are kind of like tent stakes. They're hidden until you need them and they can deploy them and create some load lifters. And that thing was, I, I really like that pack system for whitetail hunting. I think it makes a lot of sense because it's able to carry weight really well. And then in a pinch, when you need it to, you can haul in, you can haul out a lot more uh, weight, not as much weight as an actual dedicated Western frame pack, but a lot more than your typical pack. And even like that Cabela's day pack that I was using for the beginning of the season, it's only 1800 cubic inches, which realistically you can carry a lot of stuff in 1800 cubic inches. That's enough for camera gear. It's enough for a few extra layers, um, water, food, that type of thing. So that pack also like the other ones has kind of a rigid frame to it. Not, not like a, an actual frame, but it's stiff. I mean, if you try and bend it, it's got a good amount of kind of vertical stiffness. Now, if you bent it over your knee and you, you tried to fold it in half, you probably could you might be able to break something, whereas you wouldn't be able to do that with a Western pack. But again, that pack is maybe like three-ish pounds, whereas the Mystery Ranch ones are like four and five pounds respectively. So there is a, a little bit of a difference in trade-off there. I think that Cabela's pack is a pretty nice option for uh, a lot of guys who want to be able to have enough of a frame that it carries your sticks and or wild edge steps or you know whatever climbing method you happen to be using if you're using something differently than me. Um, also some lightweight camera gear, extra clothes, things like that. You got a, that nice rigid semi-frame. You got a padded hip belt, padded shoulder straps. I mean, you can go for miles in a setup like that with a moderate amount of weight and do it very comfortably. You just can't pack out a whole deer with it. That's kind of my new way of thinking about it. Whereas, you know, if you look at kind of like maybe, I don't know, three, four years ago, I was trying to get as light as possible, try and get as high as possible with the lowest amount of 
uh, carry weight, the most compact system. I was able to, I guess, take more sacrifices in how difficult it was to get from the ground to hunting height, but I was gaining definitely on the, um, getting from the truck to the tree. Whereas it seems like now, especially with some of these, you know, better pack options that I've been using, I'm much more on the side of making it a little bit easier to get from the base of the tree to hunting height. Whereas the trade-off is maybe it's a little bit harder to get from the truck to the tree. But when I say a little bit harder, it's so much of a negligible, negligible difference that I'm not even sure it's, you know, worth mentioning. I think next year, what I'll probably do, and I'm not a hundred percent on this because, um, I guess, you know, it could change between now and then, but what I'm thinking is I'll probably either use the mystery ranch pop-up or the mystery ranch pintler, the pintler's overkill. I would use, I guess I would say this, I'll use the pintler if I'm able to get rid of my camera arm setup, because that would basically allow me to sell the pop-up and basically walk into the woods using that frame pack to carry my sticks or my wild edge steps, get to the tree, leave the frame pack at the base of the tree, climb up and hunt. And then if I do shoot a deer, I would just be able to pack out those uh, quarters right on that pack and just basically get back to the truck in one trip. But if I don't get rid of the camera arm, then I could still carry that whole setup in the smaller mystery ranch pop-up. And I like that, I think a little bit better up in the tree because it doesn't take up as much of a footprint in the tree. You're not losing as much visibility with that smaller pack. And it has more pockets on the exterior where I can put things like camera batteries and headlamps and things like that. So it's a little bit more efficient to have up in the tree with me than that bigger frame pack is uh, where it's mostly just a big, you know, empty bag. Most likely I'll probably get rid of the Cabela's pack just because even though it's a good pack, there's probably not a whole lot that I can do with that pack that I can't also do with one of those other packs. Uh, granted, it's a little bit cheaper, but the option for me to be able to pack out a deer potentially is worth a little bit of extra cost. Uh, worth a little bit of extra carry weight as well. And until you use kind of a little bit beefier, heavier frame to be able to carry even like your climbing sticks, you know, looking at a carry weight of like five pounds for a pack might seem kind of outrageous. You know, we're a group of people, mobile hunters that try to get things as light as possible. But if the weight is a good weight, meaning it, it feels right and it's able to be utilized in such a way that it makes the whole system seem lighter and more comfortable, then it's totally worth it. So it's just kind of all in, in how you look at it, what your, your personal needs are and what your style of hunting is, I guess. That's kind of what I'm thinking for next year. It's going to be most likely one of those two packs and for climbing methods it's probably going to be either six wild edge steps with a single loop aider, or it's going to be three climbing sticks with the single movable aider. And if you guys have any other questions about climbing methods in general, you know, go ahead and, you know, you guys are usually pretty good at sending Facebook messages, Instagram messages. Those are probably the two places where I get the most feedback and the most, um, questions. And I'm usually pretty quick about answering guys on either Facebook or on uh, Instagram. So YouTube comments as well. I like to answer those, um, just because I get so many of them, it oftentimes takes me a little bit longer to answer. So just be aware, I usually like to uh, try and get back to pretty much anybody that answer or ask a question on any of the social media formats.
So yeah, I think that'll probably do it for this week's episode. Once again, thanks you guys for listening. Be a little bit shorter episode this week. I will be also going to ATA this coming January. So if you guys have anything in particular that you're really curious about, maybe you've heard some rumors, you want me to go check out, make sure to drop me a note and I'll be be sure to try and check it out at the ATA. As usual, I'm going to throw out a quick plug to Arrow Hunter. You can find the Arrow Hunter saddles at arrowhunter.us where you can find either the Arrow Hunter kite, which is the saddle that I used really for the most part all throughout last year and even the year prior, or the Arrow Hunter Kestrel, which has the quick release buckles and has a Cordura fabric as opposed to the mesh, which the kite has. Arrow Hunter also made a couple updates. Their Lyman's belt now has the ability to be able to be tightened with just one hand. So in the past, pretty much in all my Lyman's belts, I've used you know the $40, $45 rope man ascenders to be able to get that one-handed use out of my Lyman's belt. Well, with this system that Arrow Hunter has, it allows you to do pretty much the same thing. You can use one hand to be able to adjust, to take tension out or to give you some more slack, but you're able to do it without a mechanical device. It's basically just all uh, a rope-based system. So definitely worth checking out.